I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Uh, hello and welcome to Fever FM. As you can tell, I am not Frosty. Uh, it's Dale in charge tonight because I think Frosty decided uh, he didn't want it. He was so disgusted by the weekend's results that he decided to eat some gluten and is now probably huddled around a uh, toilet as we speak. Uh, Dave is also unavailable, so we've just got Helena and Cam tonight. Hello, uh, everyone. How are you doing? Good evening, Dale. I am spectacular. Thank you for asking. I am better than someone who ate gluten. Yes, but we can laugh at him, and that's okay. Health conditions are serious, and we will only be making ten jokes a segment. <laughs> but it is frosty. You can laugh at him as much as you like, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I do intend to. We have it's an ongoing back and forth. Remember, he's got over thirty years on you, so like, yeah, actually about that, about thirty years on you. So you should be mocking him mercilessly, mercilessly as much. And I do. As yeah, I say good. back and forth tonight, mainly forth. It's going to be forth, yeah. There's not going to be much back. And Frosty's dealing with the back himself. <laughs> One down. <laughs> yeah. When he listens back to this, he's going to hate us. I, don't, I just know it's going to happen. Yeah, you think he listens to this? I doubt it. He does, actually. Yeah, he does listen back. Yeah. To the sound of his I, own I, I voice. Do. I do. Yeah, you get used to it after a few years, right? It does. It does take a few years to get used to it, though. All right, all right. Should we push on to the uh, the two games? Uh, the women started, kicked us off at Sky Stadium in the first game. Uh, a few changes to start eleven, obviously from that um, uh, game midweek. Uh, we had Vandermeer come in, Rollo, Satchel, and Edwards, uh, and then obviously a few players making way. And uh, really felt like uh, we were on the back foot from the get go. Really, wasn't it? Maybe that first half an hour. Or so it felt like we were kind of under the pump for most of it. I think barely get a kick is the way I described it to the people I was standing beside. Um, yeah, it was more like a please, sir, can we please have our ball back? <laughs> it was just, it was, yeah. We barely had a shot. We barely had a pass. And Brianna did a lot of work in that first half an hour. It's interesting you make that can we have our ball back joke because I was going to say it's like when you're in year seven and a year 10 steals the football. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what I thought watching it. And, I mean, you could just tell that Victory knew what they needed to do. They knew they'd been well off the pace all season. And that first half, at least, they came out with some pretty serious intent. I mean, that Melina Ayers goal, there was some anger in that strike. Yeah, I guess that kind of highlights maybe the the difference in the two sides, right? Like one has a player who can pull that out out of, you know, nothing. not a very, yeah, basically nothing, um, a half turn and a, Actually, it's walloping volley to you know put it in after the crossbar, and us who don't have that out of the blue, don't have that special kind of um, you know goal scorer up front to to deliver that. Mm, that's fair. I think um, actually both both those victory goals were decent. To be fair, the um, the free kick wasn't half well. To be fair, I was watching that through a viewfinder that was looking at Brianna Edwards, so it looked from that angle, it looked like it was a decent free kick. And I've not seen a replay. It's a bit. I think it's a bit weird in some ways. Not that I know anything about anything defensively, but I I just wasn't sure if like maybe the wall wasn't a hundred percent effective, or 
it just kind of looked like it just sort of looped in. But what would I know? <laughs> what what uh, got it for me is the front on angle that you see down the pitch um, and the wall's actually set up as you'd expect and Edwards is, is kind of pretending the far goal but as the victory player is Murphy I think wasn't it is coming in so she she takes a step to the left to go I guess anticipating the, the shot to be over the wall um, and she takes more than a step maybe I'm going to say two steps and kind of cheats and then the ball the shot obviously come back the other direction and, and by the time you're moving one way it's it's impossible to get across the, the goal so I don't think it was set up bad. I just think she made a bad read and, and was you know too eager or um, thought she anticipated something that wasn't there and, and obviously got done by it. Yeah, it was a fairly decent strike, but I think if she was in her uh, standing position, she probably does, has a, has a you know better chance than not of, of saving it. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Like, I think it's what I was trying to say is it's, it's a good strike. It's technically hard to do. It's up and down, blah, blah, blah. But it didn't look completely unsavable as a free kick. Yep, there. Yeah. So I was watching down the viewfinder and the, the photo I have of is Brianna looking back over her shoulder at a ball hitting the net. So it, for, for me, it could have looped and it could have been anything, but it looked like it actually went through with a bit of pace and a bit of venom. So perhaps I am wrong. They're two good goals. Like 100% they're two good goals. I feel I feel like you can't really knock any free kick that goes in, you know. If you if you if you've hit it well enough to get past the wall or past a keeper from uh, outside anywhere outside the box, I think you've got to give it some credit. Yeah, and I I what I give credit to is that intent as well. Like I don't know how old Alana Murphy is, but I want to say young. But also, like, kind of it's kind of big game moment. Like Victory knew what they needed to do in a sense, like they needed to just do the best they could, but they had this weird game dynamic of like how much was going to be enough, like what were the Phoenix going to bring, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of rate that she just stood over the ball and was like, yep, this is gone in the net. Yeah, it was early doors, wasn't it? Fourth fourth minute's not a bad way to start your game. I think she's 18 or something. Like she's young. That feels like eight. To be honest, that does feel like uh, average age for uh, women's football, particularly in the A-League. Uh, like the, there is a lot of young women that play at that level. Yeah, but it's still young in terms of confidence and decision-making, in my opinion. And also to have the responsibility of free kicks. Taking, yeah. Well, it almost, uh, I mean, it started bad, but it almost got worse a couple of minutes moment. I think victory hit the crossbar with what I'm going to call a speculator a kind of downtown kind of random volley that sort of hit the crossbar it was kind of out of nowhere i think wasn't it yeah i mean geez it could have been could have been a lot worse at, at that point of view it just felt like a, a combination of a extended period of victory pressure and possession and you know just at that point if that had gone in it felt like it could have been a floodgates and we're looking at a cricket score because they were they were just so dominant in every facet of the game, and they weren't seeming to have too many problems with finding space in behind fullbacks, getting crosses in, finding strikers in the box with a bit of space to spare. Um, you know, their recycling of possession and transition was fantastic. Like they always just seemed to have that spare player in midfield who would get on a ball or who was available for a player who was being put under pressure by our fullbacks. Or you know, as soon as the pressure comes on a player they can offload there's someone there and the, that particular play and 
composure and obviously the manager has sorted out a, a system that is going to work against this particular opposition and worked it out perfectly and it just seemed to just that as i say the first half an hour just it was a training session really it was just they were they were that dominant yeah i think there was another chance uh but later i think they had a break down the right and i think it got cut back to maybe the edge of the penalty spot and I mean, her shot, but Barry sort of flung out a leg and deflected a shot wide, and it felt like at that stage it was kind of when's the next goal coming, really, more than more than anything. And I think was it two minutes later, what was Hedy is the the is it the technical term the thunderbuster? <laughs> well, if you if, if you want to if want to use the the polite term for it, we we tend to use something a little more. Uh, Gross. <laughs> I don't know what the right <laughs> word is there. <laughs> it's certainly, certainly a little more inappropriate, anyway. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a tougher. Like, I feel like we could. It sort of comes out of nowhere, but I feel like you know, sort of watching the replay. I think, I think, is it Vandermeer's marking her? I think just gets like a little bit too tight. Like she can't see where the ball is, so she's able to get that that half turn in because she's standing so close to her. And by the time she's kind of realised what's happening, that's the ball's just gone and it's it's a sailing gold it's like a training session again it's when you have like a dummy they get too close you can roll anyone that as a striker like you're taught to play for that to back right up into the defender because then they're just the axis around which you can turn makes your job a hundred times easier which is exactly what happened she got too close she got rolled and then the strike is world class but that sort of thing like is kind of a bit it's a little bit coach killing when you've got young defenders because this, I can guarantee that as soon as Nat Lawrence saw that phase of play where she's touched tight, you're thinking, now oh, you're going to get rolled. Nice from Ayers, though. Like, from her perspective, that's perfect striker play. So you can look at things two ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was, did, I, mean, I missed most of the middle part of the game because I was trying to feed the children. So it's a difficult challenge hey, to watch a game to at the same that. time. I know they can play star for once, but <laughs> I mean, did it feel like we at any stage we at what point we start to get into the game? Like were we start to even out because I mean by the not, end, not at all in the first half. Like not no, no the first half was victory. It was just just all yeah. victory. And I think the only it, I felt like Ralston was isolated uh, because Wisniewski and Hassett and uh, not were having to play so deep because like victory was just owning that midfield and there was just so there was no way they could find get a foothold in there so there, there was a massive disconnect between the the front line and the only real outlet i felt like we had was Paige satchel but she's running into cul-de-sacs because there, and there's no support and victory like finding it quite easy to deal with that and that felt like that entire half it really felt like we were struggling to get anything beyond halfway um there was one counter-attacking moment, right? But even that, that was like two balls. Like, Wisniewski does, does well to kind of launch that counter-attack with one kind of incisive pass, but that was that was pretty much it for the half. With one incisive pass forward, a ball across, Cleek takes a heavy touch, it's gone. Yep, and that was our chance. And that was yeah. a very, very uncharacteristically poor touch from Millie Clegg um, because she would have been through clear on goal at that and that was literally right in front where we were standing too actually um yeah it was um it wasn't until the second half uh and even then once we started making the subs so it was quite late in the game where we finally started to get a bit of of a foothold um and i 
I hate to say it was taking off Ralston that caused this because I don't th- like Ava Pritchard plays that position very differently, and she was she was she turned up a lot more in wide positions, offering more like pulling the fullbacks and pulling the centre backs more out of position by the runs that she was making, which created that little bit more space in the midfield, which uh, was Nesky and not were able to take and has it were able to take a bit more advantage of. So I, I, I hate to say it was Ralston because I say she was very isolated in what was happening. Uh, in, in the play that was going on while she was on the field. But when Ava came on, it just seemed to coincide with the change in the way the game was going. I think that's a very good point that you make. Like, Rolo, it's this. It's coming back to this point of not having an out-and-out out nine. We have two nines that play either by doing what Rolo does, which is dropping into a false nine position, like coming quite deep, encroaching on the midfielder, like the tens kind of space. Or you have Ava who plays like a wide forward. And I think in in the game situation, which was, to be honest, like my real read of it was Victory did lose their heads a little bit. I don't think their game management was good. The Phoenix kind of went full chaos ball. Ava was drawing the fullbacks out. You suddenly have people making mistakes, like under hit back passes. Like I think in that game situation, Ava's version of not being a true nine paid off. But both players are kind of indicative of we're trying to like fashion a, t- a target forward when we don't have one. So around 60, I think 61st minute, Emma Main replaced Chloe Knott. So I imagine she played a bit more 10, a bit more forward, and then did Wisniewski drop back a little bit. And then Robertson also replaced Clegg. So that's sort of a like for like. But yeah, did it, did, did, was that. Or is it like, and then it's the only minute then that we've got Ava replacing um, Ralston and uh, Mackenzie Barry comes off for Chico. Is, is that is this around the 70th minute where we, or is it a bit earlier when Maine came on? 70 is probably fair. Yeah, I, 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 I loved the way Emma Maine played in that 10 kind of role. I really did. Um, I, I don't know why the club didn't pick her up earlier in the season. Um, I'm sure there's really valid reasons for it. Probably a, a lot on, yeah, there's a fairly valid reasons on Emma Main's side as well, obviously. So um, I, don't, I don't know what they are, but I think she's proven in the last two games what an asset she could be moving forward. And I really hope they look at efforts of possibility of getting her for next season. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like like you say, there's there's a lot, a lot going on. Like I know that Emma was over in the States, which any time a player has been in the States, you just you just don't know what has been going on there is is the sad reality of it. Um you don't know how they're gonna come back to football from those experiences. But what I really liked was how busy she was. Like just to be honest, like the way she got herself into the game was just pure work rate. Going up for headers that you hadn't seen the Phoenix winning until that point in the game. Winning second phase ball, playing like aggressively and instinctively forward just being busy and putting herself about which like I I just really rate that from a player in that position where a lot of the times you can see a 10 be like well, give me the ball between the lines and then I will do something you don't always see that industriousness I also think the that was that pegged with the extra pace that Mickey had. So because those fullback, because Victory had so much ball, the fullbacks are living very, very high up, which has mm-hmm. mean there's a massive amount of space in behind that Mickey Robertson is able to take advantage of because of her pace. And 
even if she can't take advantage, it's still making the fullback sit further back so she doesn't get caught out so much. So it then for creates a bit more space for your fullbacks and creates more space for your teens to move into. So, you know, the the introduction of her, particularly against a tired fullback who had been going up and down the line a lot, made perfect sense. And it, uh, yeah, it was just good decision-making by Nat and good game-reading by Nat to understand what the team needed at the time. Yeah, and great mentality as well. You know, you can say what you want about the Phoenix of season, but to, to be in the kind of in last place and to be playing a team that's looking at the playoffs and everything about this game situation and to sort of say at 70 minutes, no, it's not going to end this way and to get a point out of it. Like, that's just very impressive to me. They scored in the 98th minute. Yeah. I liked the first goal. Obviously, uh, I think that was created by, I think it was Emma. I think it was Emma Main that uh, that's caused the, I don't know who played the through ball, but uh, I think she's gone in for a challenge on the keeper. The keeper's had to come out of the box, otherwise she doesn't get to the ball. And Emma's, she's effectively taken Emma out in the challenge but also injured herself in the challenge and hasn't been able to get the rebound. And Ava's done what any good striker should do and pounced on it and slotted it away. And I was particularly glad to see Ava score that after the miss she had earlier in the season in a similar situation against Canberra uh, where uh, she's blasted over. Admittedly, she's off balance and having a struggle, but she's blasted over with an open goal. And this situation... She's just slotted it perfectly in the gap, taken taken a touch and, and done exactly what you'd expect a professional striker to do in that situation. So uh, I think that'll do her confidence an absolute world of good. Yeah, I really liked that touch you took. Yeah, it was under her back pass, wasn't it, I think? Uh, and then the pressure from Maine caused the, the ball to sort of split out, but... When when you when um when you're watching through a viewfinder, you often miss context around some of the stuff that goes on. So uh, it could have very easily been a uh, back pass that I've missed, but I was on a different player at the time. So yeah, it's very um, calm finish. Yeah, it's very easy to kind of go shit. I'm in front of the goal with no goalkeeper. I'm just gonna have a crack from here. But it felt like she kind of maybe took one extra touch to see where the defenders were blocking. And, and and I think the key for her was having a shot that's kind of above waist height because, you know, if the ball's on the ground and, you know, players, defenders can kind of scramble with their legs, but it's when it's above waist height, you've, you've got no, basically no chance. And I think there's a chance like maybe two months ago where Jan Sass had a similar chance and he put it on the ground and there was defenders kind of there. Whereas, you on know, the line, it, yeah. Yeah, if you put it on at chest height, it's much, it's got a much better chance. But yeah, very calm and I guess felt like, it almost came out of nothing, you know, it was a victory kind of slip that kind of led us into the game. But after that, we kind of. Yeah. And Casey Dumont, like, yeah, I think, I don't know if, I can't remember which defender it was. I think it was Kayla Morrison, maybe played the back pass. Yes, it was under hit, but I don't think Casey Dumont had her positioning right. You saw her, like when Ava actually nicked in and had just got the ball, you actually saw the keeper think about fouling her. And then realised that would have been a red card. You literally saw that thought process occur in her head. Like, it, I've never seen that so clearly on a replay before, but you literally saw her be like, ah, uh, no. Actually, on, on that, would it have been a dog so, though? Because there were two defenders who had flooded back past into the box between Ava and I the goal. I think she knew that, though, right? 
No, she wouldn't have. But I'm saying, yeah. would it still have been a red card if she if she had made the foul? Because there were two defenders between Ava and the goal. Yes, defenders, not a keeper, so different, you know, kettle of fish entirely. But would that still have been a dog side? I'll follow up on two things. One, I think I think she tried to, but um, she came off injured in that clash, didn't she? Had she was down yes, for treatment for quite a long period of time afterwards. So yes, she was, I think yeah. she tries to get up and kind of her knee sort of crumples. Um, I think on the dog side, I think it depends on where the the players were because I know by the time the shot came in, there were two kind of in line. But you know, you, you, she wouldn't have got to that point. She would have been fouled well before there. So I think one of the one of the other defenders may have been not had time to cover, and, and it only needs to be a goals were an opportunity right it doesn't have to be a clear cut goal yeah. so um, I think that'd be a pretty good case without slowing it down frame by frame I think there's a pretty good chance shout that it would be probably would have been a pretty agricultural challenge as well and you know yeah it might have been, <laughs> there certainly would have been some studs showing I would say yeah yeah no, fair enough <laughs> Yeah, definitely not victory's finest moment, which I guess comes back to my point, which they've really, I mean, if I were them, yes, they've snuck in, but they are not the victory side that has won this competition. Their game management was not there. And that victory is a team that has a lot more seniority than a lot of other teams in this league. So it's quite interesting to see the, the extent to which they bottled it. Yeah, I mean, we're coming to the, the game management pass. I think just before, uh, as what you mentioned, the coming just before we scored, I think literally maybe a minute before, uh, I think Ears had a, a good position up front and decided to take a shot that, that Edwards pushed, I think, around for a corner. And She did. And that was a cracking yeah. save, by the way. That was, yeah, was. as good. As, in the game situation and how it ended, that was as good as a goal. Yeah. And I think that was like, it was meant to be eight minutes of out of time, and that was at minute seven, seven. And they had two chances to slow this game down, one by not shooting and, and going for a corner or, or whatever. And then I think from the corner, they I think they hoisted it straight in rather than just going short and sort of milking another 30 seconds to blow time. And, you know, as it turned out, um, we got it down the other end. And I can't remember who put the, some of the cross in. Maybe it was Wisniewski. And, and then Main kind of just came charging out of nowhere. to, And she doesn't seem look that tall, but she won a header that kind of felt her. Uh, who scored Wisniewski, isn't she? Wisniewski, um, yeah, with that, and it kind of been her putting the cross then. No, okay, it was probably honestly though, it was probably Michaela Foster because it's always Michaela Foster. <laughs> That's but, right. Yeah. Um, but that, that finish, that finish from Grace Wisniewski, how she's got the power and the direction with her foot at head height. I have like no idea. Like I try to get my foot up there, my hamstrings will ping up, and I'll be I'll be unable to walk for a year. But the the I, I just I don't know how she's managed to finish that with the aplomb that she has. It was unbelievable. Yeah, very hard. Four very good goals, right? Uh, for very different reasons. Yeah, like yeah, impressive finish. Like um, I know the, the keeper kind of sort of fluttered it, but yeah, it's still kind of. Again, another one that was quite composed in the 90, what, 98th minute. 98th yeah. minute. Like, yeah, honestly, it was basically the last kick of the game. It was... Um... Yeah, well, it's instinct. You know, like, she won't have been thinking about that much. I was not I was going to say she won't have known much about it, but that's not what I mean. She won't have been... It was just will have been instinct. And, you you know, like I say, as a 17s player, that's the role she was playing. That goal was very conceptually similar to me to the two that she scored against Canada in the under-17s third or fourth playoff, you know? So that's Grace. Yeah, that was that was 
beautiful. That was beautiful to watch. As a striker, I'm so impressed with that <laughs> that finish. It really, it really. I'd, I'd actually be putting that in there in the shout for goal of the season purely on the finish. I just want to know what her hamstring stretch routine is. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, okay, well, she's like like twenty, right? And I'm forty five, so you know, there's there's a yeah, massive difference here. And you can't do that with your hamstrings. Yeah, no, fair enough. Probably uh, not. I don't. I don't know if I'm ever going to get the opportunity to find out. But Grace, if you're listening, <laughs> it's all plyometrics, right? <laughs> yeah. Look, don't say those words to a former track and field athlete. <laughs> Sorry, he is going to have trauma. Sorry, mate. Um, yeah, so I guess it finished his 2 2, and I think, um, you know, it was a missed, oh, claimed another wooden spoon, so I didn't get a chance to go above Jets. But I guess in the scheme of things, you'd be fairly happy with that result, wouldn't you? That result and that season, I'm assuming we're going to come to the season at a, at a later time, to be honest. But um, yeah, I think looking at your opposition and how your season's gone. Um, I think actually, to be fair, if we look at 2023 specifically, we've got all, we've basically got all our points in 2023. It's a, as a, as a, if you've got your whole season as that 2023, we're looking at a mid table finish. And if we'd played that football for the whole year and then managed to get all that stuff on the field in the first half of the season, we'd be looking at a mid table finish. And that's actually really, a real positive it shows that whilst it's taken a little while for the stuff that net's trying to teach to get on the field by the end of the season they're actually performing pretty well yeah and it wasn't an easy season in many ways like lily alfeld your captain out for the entire thing like yes Bree stepped up but that's still not ideal um kate taylor kind of plagued by injuries a little bit your your football fern that you signed rollo plagued by injuries Alyssa winham not available for like for personal reasons, so it's kind of there's a lot going on. Yeah, so it wasn't simple. No, certainly not. Yeah, I mean, did you, Helena? Did you have a did you have a, a view before the season where you thought they should finish? I mean, I'm giving you a blank slate to say I reckon they would finish last, and to be right, if you want. <laughs> I thought that they would have an uphill battle to get out of last. Because the other teams that I thought might be weak recruited well. Like Western United, for example, signed Jess McDonald. And I knew that Hannah Keane had been scoring bucket loads in the NPL Victoria. So that made me think that they might do well, which they have. So I thought that we'd have an uphill battle. But I do think that we shouldn't have finished last. Just so many points left on the field. And, like, to me, it's just this last round, you know, we're drawing with victory, which already is, like, that's an impressive result. Meanwhile, Canberra, who we did 5-0, was like they weren't even on the pitch, are the other team in this equation for the playoffs. And we're trying to get out of last place. So it's just just one of those things. But I think given, like, Rolo just wasn't ever really what she was signed to be because of injury or whatever else, and you didn't have – Lily and Kate hasn't really been in the best, et cetera, et cetera. I think they've, you know, I don't think it's doom and gloom by any means. Yeah, I, I think we, when we looked talked at the start of the season, we thought, didn't think we'd get top four, but perhaps a, a decent dash at sort of middle-ish table, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. So, um, but I mean, that was perhaps in the context of having no idea about other teams. And I think, 
as teams have signed players, perhaps you know the the international flavors come back to the league than it had say last year, and and we didn't really have that ability. So maybe we're a little bit optimistic. But like I say, I think yeah, given the number of points we kind of not necessarily threw away, but should have gained. And I think probably every side can can say that. But you know, if you've beaten the first place team, the fifth place team, and draw with the fourth place team. And you finish last. That's a strange season. It's a very strange season, and I don't think you could say. You, I mean, I've watched you know every single game or anything like that, but it seems like Newcastle are well below everyone else. Um, yeah, they're pretty dire. Like when they lost, they got absolutely pumped. So, and Adelaide, Adelaide, you know they were on eighteenth, but didn't they win like their first five games straight or something, four games straight or something like one nil or something stupid? Yeah, Adelaide went on a run and then they just have been really average. Like, So their British import striker, Fiona Wirtz, like, I think was golden boot last season. This season literally has not scored with her feet. She's still scored like an all right-ish number, but they've all been headers. So they've had this sort of like weird Phoenix-ish season of being quite set-piece bound. So they've had a strange season. Sydney's had a strange season, to be honest, like by Sydney standards. Victory's had a terrible season. Like It sounds strange to say because they're in the playoffs, but they've looked bad. Eight draws, eh? That's ridiculous yeah. in 18 games. Canberra have looked much better than them. They had that like three-week period where someone beat them 5-0, then we beat them 5-0, which I imagine was a real like, come to Jesus moment for Canberra like <laughs> like I don't even want to know what went on in that club after losing 5-0 to the Wellington Phoenix like who previously seemed to not know what the goal looked like so it's just I think they looked better than than victory and victory just did not look like a playoff level team against us to be honest because like all we did was hang in there by our fingernails and then play some chaos ball for 20 minutes. I mean, look, looking at that season as a microcosm, they they had all the points were scored since the 2nd of January till the end of the season, so in a three-month period. Seven of our 13 points were scored in our last five games, and I think eight of our 20 goals were scored in a two-game stretch. So... There's there's obviously parts of the season where you've gone, oh, and we lost six games one nil. So that says to me that there's there's obviously it could have gone very very differently, very very easily. Six games one nil means you're in games, right? You don't lose games one nil without being competitive. You'll lose games two or three nil, and you'll go, okay, we probably you know it's a bit average, but a one nil loss to Sydney in a game where you could actually have picked up a point and it wouldn't have been unfair and lucked into three, cool. Because as we talked about, we've had struggled with those goals up front. So I think if we look at that, that let's say the second half of that season in the microcosm, thirteen points, we extrapolate that out to the season we probably sit on about 18 points if we'd had that kind of form through the whole season if we'd sit on 18 points we'd be sitting up around seven eight nine which is exactly uh where we thought we probably should um end what i think we need to look at is how much of a issue or how much of a change was it losing our manager 
after signing and just as the squad was coming back in to train to build into the season. So that 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 change in itself, where Nat, Nat has come in when she's expecting to be a number two again, and Nat has come in, you've got a brand new number two come in in Callum as well. That change, I think, perhaps it's taken a period of time, those first five weeks, for those ideas to start getting across. Can I just, is, is this right in saying that basically all the Phoenix players would basically have been playing before our season playing winter football in New Zealand, whereas all the Australians would have been playing state league. Is that not all, it? Not all, but there's a good chunk. Like Betsy Hassett was yeah. playing across in Europe and um, yeah. obviously some some of them were playing elsewhere, but the majority, yeah. Chloe wasn't playing. She didn't play this last winter? Yeah, for example. She didn't play. Grace didn't play. Like, a lot of them just didn't play. Yeah, I wonder if the kind of the slow start to the season was a little bit of that kind of, you know, coming in, playing at a much lower level in the winter season than some of the Australian teams and and that time to get up to speed, fitness, all that kind of jazz was a slow build up into our season. Yeah, I didn't realise they weren't playing. Yeah, it's it's 100%, like, in my opinion, that's definitely what it is. Like, the NPL Victoria, New South Wales, whatever, the state leagues, A, are semi-professional, so they attract players from around the world. Like, Hannah Keane was playing, had had two separate stints in various NPL sides, which is why she came back to Australia. Like, in 2015 or something, she scored a hat-trick on trial for Melbourne City. Like, she's been around the Australian system. Like, it attracts international quality players. Versus, at best, in RFL, Millie Clegg was at Auckland United. Obviously away with the 20s and 17s a lot. But, you know, that's where she was playing. And at worst, not playing. Like, there's no two ways about it. You're not going to be you're not going to be ready. That just is the fact of it. There's nothing you can do to replicate match fitness. There is nothing that you can do. Now, I do know some, without naming names, some of the players have already left to go and play elsewhere. Um, yes, I've and, heard this. Yeah, and not just... Obviously, the Phoenix, but it'll be the, a lot of the players within the A League will have gone. Whether it's across to the US or back to the uh, the national Premier Leagues in Australia, or you know across to Europe or whatever, some of them are going to go into Ferns Camp. Obviously, we've got the World Cup coming up, and some of the some of the players are going to be in around that kind of space. The Ferns are obviously over in uh, Turkey, Turkey. Yes. Greece, Turkey. Yeah, I was trying to think. Actually, have a massive earthquake. I'm surprised they're playing in Turkey. But yeah. I knew they were going that direction. So they're over there now, right? So there, there's, they've already moved off into other areas because if they don't play, they don't get paid. So, you know, and I can see it's, it's going to be hard to build that consistency, that team harmony across multiple seasons when you're going to lose effectively your entire squad overseas every single time you break up. But that, I mean, if it means they're coming in and, you know, more match fit, match hardened, that's yep. a good thing, right? Yeah, like, that's, no... that's a positive, right? They will have actually been playing games, but after the World Cup, there's still going to be a break before they come back into camp for the Phoenix, right? So, And assuming that some of them aren't playing, I mean, some of them might end up playing in the national uh, the national leagues in New Zealand and the central league and the NRFL that feels like it's uh, a possibility just to keep a bit of match fitness up. Yeah, well, that's better than nothing, right? Like the NRFL is not a great league by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a league. 
anything's better than not playing at all. Yeah. All right, well, um, I think we've probably roundly covered that off. Uh, perhaps next week we'll do some kind of pod awards or something. I'll try to have a think about what that might mean. But, uh, Helena, do you think it's basically Sydney's title to lose from here? Depends which Sydney turns up. If the Sydney where Princess Sabini and Courtney Viner unstoppable turns up, then yes. But that's not been the Sydney that I have seen all year. And if and teams like teams' jobs looking at playing Sydney, Western United's just thinking about neutralising Courtney Vine, and they will be able to find a way to do that. So I don't think Western has it in them without Jess McDonald. But I think Melbourne City victory. I mean, I think actually it's anyone's title. But if Sydney turn up as their unplayable selves, they're unplayable. They'll win. So yes, theirs to lose by not doing what they're capable of doing because if they do what they're capable of doing they are a, a level above the league at times all right to the men oh the men the men the men oh. men are cancelled <laughs> all right that wasn't just me that thought that was a bad game right that that not a bad game a hard game to watch um i felt like we should have we should have been four or five up by half time just oh, maybe that's not I just felt like we should have been clear and we were so so clearly the better side but entirely unable to get the ball to Zawada to score because he has our only outlet yes it wasn't a good game to watch and I think this is because how this is how victory set up right yeah they they camped they camped in their own half um, and we're prepared to try play on the counter. Um, this is what Popovich does. You know, it's never pretty. Every second year it, it works, and every other year it doesn't. So, I mean, it's interesting how we set up, you know, like it's, I think, um, if you basically kind of changed shape really, didn't he? Like, it, it, we really played Sam Sutton as more of a sort of inverted fullback central midfielder it, it, like Payne wasn't playing right back we were playing three centre backs and a, and a kind of lopsided left back who was playing into midfield and I think it's quite interesting because I think this was this was this was basically what we did um against was it, was it Adelaide I think when we were getting done on the counter at home was it not Adelaide it was it I can't remember what side it was we we're getting done on the counter down the right flank a couple of times and we kind of shifted to three centre backs to help give us a bit more cover and so yeah, it was it was kind of preempting that and trying to give us a bit more cover. Um, so it was interesting that yeah, at that and I mean it, it seemed to work. You know, Sutton had a couple of good chances, drove through midfield a bit, but yeah, I think I think you'll say that we should have been four or five up at halftime is <laughs> reckless. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm prone to hyperbole. I'll give you that, but yeah. I think we were, we were very comfortable. I think we we had position. We were knocking it around okay, but as soon as we tried to break down their their you know, their, their bus, we, we struggled to do that. Yeah, I watched the highlights and it made me want to throw things. <laughs> yeah, so. fair. I think I think it was like we all agree at the moment our most our only attacking threat is Zawada. Yeah. And I think the number the the lack of touches in the box is 
a key here and that for all the possession and territory and build-up play that we had, we couldn't get it to him. And I think Ufi in his post-match press conference said exactly that. Whilst Zawada gets his goal and we'll talk about his goal, did we make the best use of Zawada? And the answer is probably no, we didn't because we just didn't get enough opportunities to him to score. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, you know, we said I think previously that that well, I've kind of said I think that's okay, but it we, it means we need other avenues of attack. You know, and yeah. start of the season, yeah, he'll be a cry of kind of chinking runs and looking dangerous, and you know, since since the new year, since Zawada started scoring for fun, he hasn't looked like that, and and I I don't know whether that's we're we're so desperate just to give it to Zawada that everyone else kind of just does that and so he's not getting the balls that he should or if it's an instruction or, or something else but his effectiveness has noticeably dropped off since the new year um and i i, I wonder whether those two things are linked well it's uh Kraev's effectiveness or zawada's effectiveness because... well i think as as, as zawada's been scoring with little chances or you know few chances yep yeah we've kind of relied on that and and haven't given you know Zawada um cry of as much ball or much room to to do what he has done it towards the start of the season I also think you're looking at a, the lack of foil there with Wayne going because um, prior to that Ben Wayne was here and providing goals as well I think he scored three in the se- in the season before he left plus uh, plenty of goals in the cup to at the start of the season so um and and Sus hasn't provided the uh, the final product that we would have expected somebody in his position to provide. David Ball's probably had his least productive season uh, so far for the Phoenix uh, and his least effective season so far for the Phoenix as well. Um, so I think it's not just that. It's a combination of the fact that we're, uh, of all of these things, is, is thrown in at the same time to cause it. Zawada's had 11 goal involvements or 11 games in a row with a goal involvement, right? And I think it's 10 goals and one assist in that period of time. So he, I feel like he is doing his job, but we could still be getting more from him if we were doing more from behind. And I think there, therein lies the key. All right, well, let's, let's run through the game, I guess. It's felt like nothing really happened until the Zawada goal. Like, it, like it just kind of came out another. It's it's like I think. Was Can it you read your exact bullet point, please, Dale? <laughs> word for word. <laughs> what Zavada scores after shit defending? Yes. Full stop. <laughs> Full stop. Yeah. I mean, it was though, wasn't it? Like it was like a. That was a fucking comedy, mate. It was an absolute comedy. Yeah. It wasn't defending, is what I would say. <laughs> I think you're being charitable by calling it defending. I mean, totally finished though. Like one of those ones, it's like when you've got the keeper kind of bearing down, it's really hard to get it up and over and under the crossbar. Like it's very delicate finish. The fact that he's done it without letting it bounce too. Like generally you'll see that kind of play, the striker will let it bounce because it gives him a bit more time to judge and, you know, and finish. He doesn't have that because uh, Izzo's coming out to close down all of that space. But that's and... goal scoring form, isn't it? Yeah, You know, 100%. instinctive, everything's hitting the net. Doesn't need it. Doesn't need time. Yeah, hundred percent. And it was beautiful. It was a beautifully taken goal. Pity about everything else that happened. 
Yeah, I mean, like for the rest of the half, it kind of played out like it didn't. Like I was quite a bit surprised that that goal didn't really didn't seem to make victory push any further forward. It was kind of like, yeah, we'll just stay in this game as long as possible, and you know, they kind of retreat to their, you know, to the eighteen yard box and go from there. And, and we struggled to break it down. Yeah, we had maybe three or four chances from distance that were kind of straight at his own. Nothing really dangerous. But we're kind of probing without having that killer cutter edge for that rest of the half. It's like they knew if they waited long enough, the Phoenix would do something stupid. <laughs> and they um, were right. Yeah, I, I'd say, mate, going going into half, I'm like one 0 was an extremely flattering scoreline to victory. It's certainly the way it felt from where I was watching. And but you're right. The, the opportunities that were coming weren't as clear-cut as they could have been with a little more incisive play from the 10 space. Yeah, but we're taking long-range efforts, right? You know, like there were low-probability chances. Uh, I guess the, for me at that point, I, I, felt, I felt reasonably comfortable because Victory didn't seem like they were looking dangerous on the counter. Like, they had nothing. It, they, they literally yeah. had... They, it, 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 Again, it felt like a, a half-speed training run at times because victory had nothing. We're not in the game. Popovich must have some hella half-time chat. I don't imagine that it's particularly eloquent. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not yeah. particularly worried about its eloquence, fact, but its effectiveness is quite high. <laughs> I think if you filmed it, the number of words that you're actually allowed to hear might be quite low. <laughs> yeah, second half. Yeah, I mean... This kind of sums up football as like game of moments, like points in time. Like, you know, we have a couple of good chances, don't convert them, and then two minutes later, bang, um, you, get, you get done at the other end. So, sums up perfectly, Dale. Yeah, I mean, like, was it like 50 or something? Like, we had Izzo had two pretty good saves. One against Sus, I thought was probably the easier of the two. That left hand, that left hand won. The snap save, I think, the strength that he's got in that, and such a with his reaction being such a short, uh, like short time span, it's phenomenal. I, I I don't know how he's got the strength in that save that he has. I, that for me, that's a if you get a hand to it, you're tipping it around the post. But instead, he's he's literally pushed it out parallel to the byline. I have no idea how he's done that. That was that was like those those two saves in particular were brilliant, absolutely top draw. Yeah, I th- I, we've seen from Sase, he lo- he loves to cut in off that right. Like we've seen, he's, has he scored it maybe a couple of goals or had a couple of chances where he's kind of dribbled basically along straight along the eighteen yard box and and pulled the trigger and scored or or tested the keeper. He really likes to likes to do that, and yeah, he did that. And I I feel like if the shot was anything but waist height, it probably goes in. Like if it's a bit lower around knee height or, or ankle, I think I don't think Izzo gets a chance to to get down. I think it just happened to be it was good power, a bit close, but just at the wrong height to make it you know savable. Yeah, and that and that's fair. I think um, Sus Sus has been a little unlucky in front of goal this season. It has like he's had a couple off the line sort of scenario, and obviously a great save by Izzo, and he he could have chipped in with maybe three or four. More with just an ounce more luck, um, but you're right. If you're going to hit them, 
along the ground with someone on the line, they're going to clear it off it. If you're going to hit it at waist height for a goalkeeper, they're more likely to save it. So maybe it's decision and execution perhaps need a little a little look. He seems to have um, improved in the last half of the season, maybe. Like, I think at one point we're like, geez, you know, he might be close to a mutual termination. But in terms of his production, he's gone past Craig, hasn't he? Like, at this point, and, and Ball, hasn't he? I would say now, yeah, I'd say there's, he was he's starting for a reason, right? Because um, he is he is a more becoming a much more creative influence within the game. Ball has really disappeared, right? Meanwhile, yeah, he's he's just had a hard season. Now. I'm not I'm not sure what's happened with um with Ballie because I rate him very very highly and I rate what he brings to the team. He certainly is a he is a leader, a dressing room leader, as they say. He's 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 captain captain material purely off the experience he has and his I know his approachability and his ability to get across to people to lead people from that uh, from um, by doing I guess um, but yeah the season he's just it's it's just not happening for him it's quite it's quite odd do you think it's because his son's living in Plymouth now <laughs> he's having um uh, separation anxiety and it's impacting on his game. Uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> maybe, mate. That's an interesting theory. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I, I rate I rate him highly. He's the type of player when I've been seeing him, and I'm like, if he hangs around, I'd love to see him in a in a all white squad. You know, if he hangs around long enough, and perhaps that's not going to happen with age and stuff. But he would be the type of player I'd love to see in a with his experience and and the personality that he brings. I'd love to see him and around those young players that uh, in, a, in an all-white shirt. Um, yeah, we miss something when he's not firing. We miss something when he, because he is the player that will run back and you know check in a tackle and uh, throw his body on the line and do all those stuff that you need someone to do to just try and lift that team. And we miss something when it's not happening for him. Yeah, he's hugely creative as well. Like you, we talk about having become something of a one-trick pony with Zawada. Like, Ball's ability to craft a chance, to play a slide rule pass, to see things a phase ahead of what the defender is seeing has, is probably the best that the Phoenix have had in a long, long time. And we haven't had that. So that, I think, has been a big sort of lopsidedness in the game. Like, you because players, defenders were always having to think about where David Ball was, not because he was scoring a ton, but because he was always able to create a goal-scoring opportunity out of very little. And space, he makes those runs, which draws those defenders, which means your other striker scores goals, you know? Um, I think Ben Ben Wayne has benefited from that multiple times, not just by his influence from his dad off the field. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real... It's a, postcards. Yeah, so they probably they probably Skype on a daily basis. Ring your um, dad, Ben. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think if we can, if he comes back into form, I think we can come back into a little more form. But there is something, yeah, there's something not quite right there with David Ball this season. Anyway, move on. A couple of minutes after that, uh, sus chance, uh, Yuvakovic had a chance, um, and I thought it was a bit better save from his own low down. I think shorter reaction time and pushes it just wide of the post. I mean, God, frustrating, eh? Like, two good chances, two chances missed. 
And then I think literally two minutes later, boom, it's one all because we can't defend a corner. And you know who is there. <laughs> the, the worst the worst part, I was um, I was sitting with another photog and literally saying this feels like the kind of game where we need to have two because the longer it goes, the more possibility it feels like victory are going to score. And that was as they were setting up for that corner. So it's your fault. <laughs> so I'm taking the responsibility. That that is purely on me. Um, All right, I just, got to the, the, that. The, the timing was ridiculous, though. It's like you wouldn't expect that to happen. It just and it went in at that point. I was re- oh yeah. It's like, oh, there we go. It's happened. Yeah, tough one to take. Like we just don't get to the to the first header in time, right? Like we kind of got there, but weren't really pressuring the uh, I think it was De Silva who won the first header so he got basically a free free header and yeah I don't think it's a set play I think he's going for goal and it's drifting wide and four and roll it just happens to be in the right, in the place. right place yeah uh, but if we put a bit more pressure on that first first header so it's not as clean yeah maybe we we survive that classic phoenix fan areas <laughs> just <laughs> yeah insurmountable pain <laughs> Well, I mean, now there's, there's a bit of a pattern because, you know, we considered twice against Adelaide from corners as well. Twice this game. It's, and I, I thought, in the season, I thought up to that point, I, I thought we were quite reasonably quite good at defending set pieces, but maybe. Uh, I haven't noticed a trend before now. Yeah. But anyway, um, so after that, we had a, I think Zwarda had probably his only other chance of the, the game. Um, I think Yugakovic put in a cross and he basically fairly close to a free header and, and puts it wide um, from sort of at the back post. Another good moment that we didn't take. Yeah. Uh, you, can feel the, you can feel the pain building in yeah. Dale the more he talks about how the second half went. I came out the second half thinking we're going to score two and win it 3-0. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was thinking that game was going. I didn't think victory had anything in this at all. So yeah, I can I got how it's ended up two one when we've had the opportunities that we did create in the second half where we could easily have scored two or three goals as well. It's just yeah, it's staggering. Yeah, because not long after that, I think victory had their first sort of open play chance all game where I think where he kind of coughed up the ball at the back and um, was it Leighton Brooks sort of went through on goal and, and took a shot early and, and Sale sort of pushed it wide. And up, up to that point, didn't, they didn't look that dangerous. You know, like I know they obviously scored from a corner, but we just looked reasonably comfortable controlling open play um, for the most part until, yeah, until was it 75th, maybe 15 minutes to go. Um, again, another one from the corner. I was actually quite interested watching that, that replay as well how that came about because De Silva's the one who goes up for the header but also has a chance to to score. Um and it's um it's a shame because I think or maybe not interesting, depends on how you feel, but Wooten goes up with him. He kind of gets bumped and so he, he turns in the in the header so he's back towards the, the ball. But um Ben Old, if you look at the, the front on replay, Ben Old's right there, like within kicking distance. And I don't think he really anticipates the, that Silver's still hanging around because he kind of takes one step before trying to line up a volley. And by that stage, Silver's kind of poked his little foot around and, and prodded at home. So, again, another one where just, just anticipation or, you know, reaction just 
yeah, incredibly frustrating to give it away in such a – I just get the last place team as well. God, lost What's twice what Zavada said, right? Like Zavada summed it up really well. Like We scored two shit – we conceded two shit goals. We lost. End of, you know? Yeah, that's um, that's pretty much does sum it up, actually. It feels like two errors – they scored from two errors and the rest of the game we couldn't score from a multitude of opportunities and ball and territory and everything else positive in our uh in our favor that you want to meet that you want to mention so yeah tough watch i certainly haven't watched it back that's for sure no no i guess even after that we didn't really have any clear-cut chances after that they had a couple sort of on the break as we sort of pushed forward but just kind of kind of fizzled out a little bit, didn't it? Like, I think we were... I think Ufi always talks about trying to create the best chances of the game. And it felt like we did that and still lost. And I know, like, I think the crowd was getting quite frustrated towards the end as they kind of wanted balls just sort of lumped into the box. But, you know, if you've got, you know, six or seven defenders crammed in a box, then... And Izzo having a blinder, because Izzo did have a blinder. He did play well. Like, he's he's made multiple saves, which are very good. And he's commanded that area well, and he's commanded his defence very well. So. Well, he's had lots of practice, right? He's had lots of stuff to do this season. So He sure has. And it feels great to say that about victory, but I wish that it continued this game. <laughs> Damn you, Paul Izzo. In summary, the women were much better to watch, and therefore we should not let men play sport. <laughs> you say the women were better to watch, but it was also a hard watch because we didn't do much for a long stretch of that yes, game. But to return to the, the crux of my statement, ban men's sports. <laughs> it was there was there was negativity from in both games, but for different reasons. Okay, to return again. <laughs> Let me put well, it this um, way. No, I, I understand the point you're trying to make. I'm deliberately choosing to ignore it. When England banned women's football, 30 years later, they won the Euros. So maybe that's <laughs> so we should, Is that what you say? We should ban men's football so we win the Oceania Nations Cup? Because we've already won that a few times. So we can win the A-League men's, the pinnacle of all sporting competitions. What sport exists for? The true theatre of the athlete. A league men's. All right. Well, that's our thirty-year goal. Uh, what's our four, <laughs> what's our four-week goal? Well, well, we've we've actually we've actually got really lucky again uh, with results. Uh, results have gone our way in that we are still four points inside the six. We were we were six points inside the six. We're now four points inside the six. So with four games to go. We're still in the situation where one win, at this point, one win is probably going to be enough to see us inside the six. But two probably gets us a home semi-final. Which is so insane. I think it depends on who that, who that win is against. Exactly. I if think the if we beat Western wins are against Sydney. Western Sydney, that's the big game. The Western Sydney Wanderers game is massive. Unfortunately, we have to play Melbourne City this weekend, and that's going to be tough. Western Sydney is going to have a bunch of bands and things, though. So yeah, well, um, yeah, Marcello, oh yeah. Marcello with his triple headlock <laughs> looks like he's going to be gone for at least six weeks. I have That's missed that. I that. don't know what's happened. If you could post me a link in uh, <laughs> in the chat later, that would be really appreciated. He just lost his 
Well, let me put it this way. He's a man wearing long socks who <laughs> <laughs> forgot yep. to humble do, himself. Yeah. Do you remember do you remember um Cam when we played Western Sydney post game, that guy kind of got Ollie in a kind of neck neck hole? Yeah, up. yeah, I know that. Yeah. So he's done he's done that three times <laughs> and got sent off in the last week's game. And wow. they've, they've, they've deemed that each three separate time. Yeah. Three central punishments, and it's two weeks minimum. Fantastic. I'm I'm loving yeah. that. And good. He's obviously a bit of a twat. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's good for us because we play them in, I think, two weeks' time. Um, yeah. And it's a massive else. game. It's a massive, massive game. Um, if we manage to get anything out of the City game this weekend, which I'm not going to hold my breath, but if we do manage to get anything out of that City game, and let's be honest, when you're not expecting the Phoenix to do it, it's probably the time that they're most likely to actually do it. Um, if we do get anything out of that, that Western Sydney Wanderers game, whew, Jesus, that's going to be huge. Well, Melbourne City right now is 1-0 up over Melbourne Victory. Have they, have they re-kicked off that game yet? It seems it. The little green line is moving. Okay, cool. Yeah, so we play them on, on Monday night. Um I'm going to have out uh, Jameson. I think's out the red card in the weekend, but I'm actually somewhat—I wouldn't say confident, but optimistic—because I think uh, what now what, you what put we, it. Yeah. Well, what we've what we've shown over the last you know, month or so is we're a bit, we're a little bit wobbly, but I think we're wobbly against teams who who like to sit back and counter us. Who Melbourne suck? City. Melbourne City is not necessarily that team. They'll look, you know, to try to dominate possession and. So I feel like sometimes we play up to some of these better sides because the space is kind of there and there's a little bit more freedom. And when we try have to break down, you know, defensive teams, we find it a bit harder. So, I mean, I'll, I'll say that and then we'll probably get pumped 6-0 and think our season's done. But It's the hope that kills you. Yeah, even a draw would be handy. Just a, just a, eke out a draw, a dirty draw. I reckon we should park the bus if you want my... Humble opinion. Well, we did. Last time we went over to Melbourne, we parked do the it bus. Properly. We were 2 0 down and we sent on some replacements and with what, 20 minutes to go and scored two and almost nicked the game. So I think that's probably the best way to play against them, to be honest. The concept being park the bus, don't concede, and then score. Easy. They, haven't been, they haven't been particularly good either um, the last couple of weeks. No, they had a loss a couple, a couple of weeks ago. So, I know no one's unbeatable. That's the beauty of the A-League is everyone can be terrible on their day. Yeah, so Melbourne City, they've gone their last five games, four games. So they drew last week and then they drew with MacArthur. So drawn with Jets MacArthur in the last two weeks, only beat Brisbane 2-1 and then lost to Adelaide 4-2. So it's not exactly... Strange game, uh, that one. Yeah. they. I feel like they're failing to put the season away which they should like with the pointless lead they had at one point in this season and the way that they're playing in their personnel they should have been at least another five or six points clear of this league of everybody else at this stage because they are by they are the the manchester city of uh, the league right they they are that dominant over a period of time I thought you meant like city group structure, but yes, also no, that. No, actually the way the, the yeah. city dominate that league almost all the time. And every season you'll have someone come and try and 
um, challenge them, but that team does change and, you know, often they fail. So, and that just feels the way this league's going to go with that, with Melbourne City being the team to beat most seasons. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, yes, we have to play them, but just looking at their, their fixtures, they also play Central Coast and Western United, so those are fourth and fifth above us. So um, as long as we just do as well yep. as they do, then, you know, that's it's almost as good as a win, really. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And as a bit, we've got lucky the last couple of weeks where our results have where our results haven't been good, but the others' results have gone our way. So we're still in with a chance. We'll still be in the six at the after the next game, no matter what. Um, but we may no longer be fifth, um, just because Sydney might go past us if we if things continue as they're gone. Where, where do you think we'll finish in four weeks' time, Cam? Just going to have a look and see what all our games are coming up. So hold, please, caller. So City, City, Brisbane, Wanderers, and MacArthur. That's actually not the worst run-in um, after City. Um, I think we can beat Brisbane. I think we can certainly beat MacArthur. And the game against, again, the game against Western Sydney, we've already mentioned, is going to be quite large. I think, in all likelihood, we finish fifth or sixth. I would like us to, I'd like to think we could finish third or fourth. And it's certainly, obviously not with it, not, not out of, uh, it's not out of the rounds possibility. Certainly not an, unex, uh, it wouldn't be an unusual thing to happen from where we are at this point in time. It just feels like sometimes we have a bit of a mental block where we can't quite get it over the line at the end of the season. We'll still finish in that sixth and we'll still be a competitive side and you'll go into the finals going on our day. We can beat every single one of those teams. But, I think fifth or sixth feels the most likely. It's got to be nice to have a home final. I think they'll come sixth. Yeah, that's fair. And we'll end up playing probably Mariners. And then we'll the, lose. Uh, away in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, I, mean, that, I think that's still very winnable. But like, we'll lose in front yes. of the sauce bottles. <laughs> yes, yes. But you're right. It is 100% winnable. There's there's, there's no team in the top six that on a day I don't think we could beat. And we've proven Adelaide. this season that we can do it. No, I think we can beat Adelaide in Wellington. in Wellington. I don't believe in anything anymore. <laughs> in Adelaide, no. Melbourne City away, I think we'd struggle. But if we get them to in a neutral venue like Sydney, for example, in a grand final, yeah, we've got a shot. Jesus. Who was talking about grand finals, Cam? You just, you wanted my opinion. Here it is, man. But I say, I say we probably finish fifth or sixth and we most likely don't get a home playoff, but a home playoff would be amazing. Why am I more cynical than you? I'm an incredibly positive person. So much so that it really annoys a lot of people. Um, But I will generally try and find the positive in most things. Well, when I was 10 years old, I watched the Phoenix lose a preliminary final. And I've never been the same. Awesome. When I was 10 years old, I didn't have a team to support. So I'm going to take this as a positive that I still have a team to support. And I'm excited by the fact that we might be playing... um, playing uh, finals football and encouraged by the opportunities that it provides. Wow. On that cheery note, should we call it a <laughs> night? Because I feel like, yeah, I don't want to ruin it. Don't want you, to don't, ruin you don't want to bring shit down from there. Yep. Nah. Nah. All right. Well, uh, all right. Thanks for listening. Um, hopefully, um, Frosty will be back and has 
uh, gluten free. Yeah, left the, his friendship with the toilet in the toilet. Um, and we'll be back next week to hopefully discuss a magical win over Melbourne City on Monday night. And and do some ratings for the women's team for the yes. women's season. Yeah. Go. What was it? Yes. Would you? How'd you win it? Give out some awards. <laughs> some pod awards. Yep, some pod awards. Pod, it's pod with a T, not with a T, by the way. <laughs> pod with a D, yes. not with a T. Yeah. <laughs> if you've if you've got some suggestions, got some suggestions of awards we should give out, uh, do let us know on our various social media channels, and, and we, we might pod. ignore you. Oh, <laughs> we, unless we unless we've already got it, we'll, it's something we will discuss at length. But yeah. All right, that's probably enough from us. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Cheerio.